How are you? How are you? Well, it's been a long time. Yeah. Do you remember the show we did together? Which one? The Funny You Don't Look 200? Or my yes. doing your show? 1987. Yeah. Your show about the Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Have you seen it at all? I saw it in 1987. I mean, since then? No. Have you? Yeah, shit. Oh. A lot. <laughs> you're, what are you, like Norman Desmond? You're running it in your yeah. library every night? <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready for my close-up, um, Jamil. But... No, I, I'm... It, there's a whole story about that story. Well, uh, people don't know what we're talking about, so I'm going to tell them, like, uh, in the 200th anniversary of the Constitution, which, of course, was 1787... Um, kids, I mean, kids that they don't even know 1776, but <laughs> kids out there, that's when America declared its independence, but it took an 11 more years before we had a constitution. And uh, Richard wanted to do a show celebrating that because the constitution is kind of a big deal. And for some reason, uh, me, a young kid, <laughs> up and coming comic, new to Hollywood, was, uh, I can't even remember what I did in that show. I remember it was you were a huge <laughs> movie star who wanted to do a show about the Constitution, and I was a young comic who would do anything. So I was, like, thrilled beyond. The show opens with you. Really? And it is carried for the first 15 minutes, maybe, uh, by you and Jeff's, Jeff, uh, Jeff Tambor. Who's that? Oh, Jeffrey Tambor? Yeah. Was in that? Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. crow. I never realized how much of this of the uh, show itself you don't know about. Because they, they I well, said to what, uh, I was being sued. I was not being sued. I was suing them or I was. Suing who? Um, Disney. Disney? Yeah. What'd they do to you? We said to them, uh, they called us first and said, we know that we're going to be talking about owing Richard something in and around some hundreds of thousands of dollars. And on that following Monday morning, they called, the same lady called and said, okay, so uh, we're going to start with us knowing that we owe owe you at least $5,000. For what? What did we do? I still don't understand the gist of this story. Well, what did I, we do wrong? I did 11 films for them. Okay, but now they're suing you. No, no, no. I was going to sue them. And it was the same thing that always happens with when you do 11 films. You know, they just uh, they take, run they you don't through the ringer. Right. Yeah, you have to... Okay, now I see. Okay, so you have to sue people in Hollywood. That is true, to get your money. They they do have ways of... Even movies... Was it uh, Coming to America? Some movie like that, which made $125 million, which at the time was, you know... Today would be like, I don't know, uh, closer to a billion. It was a giant hit. And they somehow found a way to hide all the money. Right. Where like, well, we didn't really make that money. I don't know where it went. Somebody paid for that swimming pool, but I guess it wasn't <laughs> yeah. that money. So, and someone uh, paid for your yacht. <laughs> yeah, but that's how you know you've really made it is when you have to sue for your money. I mean, until then, you're just a you're just a schnorrer. <laughs> you know, you're just <laughs> you're. So it's good that you uh, had that long stretch where you were top dog and got to sue the studios. By the way, 
who hasn't had a beef with Disney? They fired me in 2001. They owned ABC. And I was never really bitter about it. I was shocked that a show called Politically Incorrect could stay on a Disney property for almost six years. That to me was, it was like the Roman Empire. It's not that it fell. It's like how long it lasted. Yeah. So I didn't, I understood what the, where they were coming from. And, you know, I, I never ever took any of those corporate feuds or made a corporate feud. I knew that a, a lot of <laughs> corporate heads at the time didn't like me. And you know what? They weren't completely wrong. I was like 40 and still like, you know, I don't know. They wanted me to be married and, you know, they are much more comfortable with that type. Right. They didn't like seeing pictures of me out at nightclubs at four in the morning, and, you know, <laughs> because I was doing a show that was like, you know, political and not issues. And I mean, people took it seriously. Why they can't take, they learned to take seriously somebody who still wanted to be in a nightclub. And I don't know why anybody, everybody wouldn't. But um, yeah, they, I could tell they didn't, uh, weren't crazy about me, but nobody ever did anything terrible. It's fucking show business. We're so lucky. To it be in it at right any end. at the moment when things that were not serious became uh, deadly serious. Like? Like like the Me Too movement. Yes, okay. And that became deadly serious. So Yeah, I mean, it was always deadly serious. Nobody ever talked about it. But, I mean, it is amazing how quickly that cascaded from Harvey Weinstein, you know, which is interesting when you look back, because sometimes when people are solving crimes, they certainly in movies, because you have to <laughs> roll it out for 22 hours. But, you know, they start with the low level criminals and work their way up to the big fish. You know, you don't get to have your ultimate fight with the big bad guy at the beginning. You got to go through all his henchmen. Then you got to <laughs> then you got to kill his number one henchman. That's always like, you know, Gary Busey. And then you get to kill the big, big bad guy who's the problem. But in this one, they went right for Harvey Weinstein. We right. killed the bad. We killed the baddest dude right at the beginning of the movie, and and then I think even um, Bill Cosby was soon after that. So that was like when we got you know they bagged. We like, have to talk about him for a second. Bill Cosby. Yeah. Did you know him? Sure, I did. How did you come to know him? Well, uh, first it was because I knew him. My partner Judith was a very old friend of their of theirs. As a couple. Okay. But I also knew something else, which was, if you look back at that decade. Which decade are we talking about? The, the 70s. 70s. Okay. And which I. Which is when his nefarious. Yeah. Well, I guess even the 60s. I mean, it is amazing that he was doing it and getting away with it. Not just year after year, but decade, decade after, after decade. Decade. Yeah. And here's I mean, the funny he thing: raped was, people in bell bottoms, and he <laughs> he raped them in spanks. I mean, he <laughs> he was probably America's worst uh, serial rapist ever. Certainly, well, in I, show I, business. Well, maybe Harvey was worse. Feeling about all of that is that he was the most prominent of the upper level guys who dated beautiful girls. And at that moment, really, there was no difference between him and what he did with his girls. But he was married. Yeah. 
He was married. Okay, well, you're not supposed to date when you're married, I've heard. I heard they get mad. Women, they get mad at these little things you do. You know, <laughs> like you, you don't let them walk ahead of you going into the restaurant. I'm sorry, I was trying to help. Uh, you know, and not telling them that you're married. Little things that just bug them, women. <laughs> no, but, but really, I mean, he was leading this double life. And I, I, what do we think of the wife that she could not have not known, right? She knew and... Didn't care. And well, no, it wasn't that she didn't care. It was that they went on doing that. And what was important about the couple, the couple under scrutiny, was they had to work that out between the two of them. And but what was completely overlooked and, you know, they were Dropped a bunch under of the rug. Hmm? Swept under the rug? No, it was it was that the real deal was that people just ignored it. Right. If the wife did not make a stink. So interesting. Yes, you're right. The wife has a big role to play. They call them mafia wives. Yeah. You know. And by the way, the real story was that they did know. It was part of the dating system. Okay, it's Hollywood. It's the 70s. People are doing quaaludes. Men, women. Right. There, no one was holding a gun to the head of women, generally. Bill Cosby and rapists accepted. Uh, but people were just partying. They went to discos. It was a kind of a fun, crazy time. Plus, movie star. You know, a girl, oh, wow, I can do a quaalude with Richard Dreyfus, the movie star. Yes, that's going to happen. Now, listen, this is you, you and I are about eight years difference in age. So this is like one of those things where I never was in the Quaalude time, and I certainly wasn't a movie star, okay? I, was, I didn't smoke pot before I went to college. I did Quaaludes one time in my life. I was in New York, my first year in New York, I was 22 or three. My friends came over, and I have a very low idol anyway, like, like I love drugs that get me up. Like pot is an up drug for me, I don't know why. Cocaine was the reverse, how ridiculous is that? Okay, so like we took quaaludes. Oh great, we're gonna take quaaludes. This is like four dumb guys. This is my apartment on 8th Avenue over a bus stop, 55th and 8th in New York City, okay, in 1979. Uh, we take the quaalude, we're in my apartment. We're drinking, of course, because that's brilliant when you took a quaalude. We finally say, okay, now we're fucked up enough. I don't know what we're going to do. Probably get robbed. We go out. We leave. We walk down the three flights of stairs. To, and we get on the street. I go two blocks and pass out. Like, I remember, like, being on the hood of a cab. Like, like just like, like Dustin Hoffman in <laughs> Midnight Cowboy, except I'm literally passed out. And then they took, they peeled me off. They brought me, thank God, we're only two blocks from my apartment. Took me back to my apartment, three idiot guy friends, put me on the bed, and I woke up 14 hours later with the door open. <laughs> no date. <laughs> no date. I was lucky to be alive. 14 hours later, it just put me to sleep, like, and the door was open, and no one had come in and robbed or killed me, which showed you how uh, desirable that 
<laughs> that studio apartment was. Uh, ten people probably came in. They just looked around and left like a, they were browsing <laughs> at a candle shop. Um, That's what my parents did. So I don't have. My the... parents came to the door of my apartment, and they were going to take me out to lunch, and they the door opened, and they stood there, and then they closed the door and left and never stepped in. Wow. And because they just went, right. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, and, and then we just all imitated one another. You know, uh, I did 11 films. I was always, one way or another, fucked up and... and uh, really? I mean, working on the set? No, no, I was, I was at my apartment. My parents were going to take me out to lunch. They stopped... They took one look at how messy my apartment was, closed the door, never mentioned it again. And they were, as parents, completely appalled that I was that filthy, <laughs> dirty, <laughs> and just with so socks. Just I'm not talking about... You're just a slob. Is that your... I'm a slob. Oh. Right. Does it bug your wife? Uh, it could... did. It could... <laughs> Until I found the right one. <laughs> oh, because she's also a slob? <laughs> no, she's a very strict... Uh, oh, so she keeps uh, you in line. Yeah. Sometimes some like thing, that. But yeah. that was the, the extent of it. And, and then what happened for me was I started to get invited up to the Playboy Mansion. Of course. And You're a movie star. Right. That's what happens. And that, I wasn't quite yet a movie star. So, well, Jaws certainly from, made well, you the... Well, that was, the, at that moment, it was, that was the adjustment. That was the new term of endearment, I guess. Um, Terms of endearment was 1982. So, Jaws was 1975. So... I know my movie dates. This was us finding out what were the right dates what were the right movies did i had i made it or was i just about going to make it and i was at that turn of my life yeah and yeah were you not quite sure that you're no because you're star. in the graduate in 1967 that's eight years before jaws right and lots of people this is how iconic you are lots of people know that one line you have yeah Check all the cops. And they don't know. <laughs> I'm going to call the year, cops. I did the best film and the worst film of 1967. Well, we know The Graduate was the best. When was the worst? See, I'm surprised you don't know that The one. worst film of 1967? I don't know. McKenna's Gold. Who the fuck remembers what was the worst film of... Valley of the Dolls. Valley of the Dolls. Valley of the Dolls was not the worst film because I was 11 when it came out and soon was masturbating to it. And you responded to Miss O'Hara? Miss O'Hara? Miss O'Hara? <laughs> that was the worst line in the oh, worst film oh, that, ever made. And you said that? Yeah. See, now, who's in Valley of the Dolls? There had to Patty be. Patty Duke was the Patty one I was Duke. talking Patty Duke. Okay, but Patty Duke, a uh, handsome actress, never like made my like adolescent masturbation list. Who else? 
Um, Who else could I have been whacking it to? Uh, there must have been. I, I know there was. Some. Oh, yeah. Jacqueline Bissett. <laughs> Jacqueline Bissett. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yet, and with an English accent, which usually is such a boner killer. <laughs> 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 There's just something about that accent that doesn't go. And so with, she did. And that was a big, hot turn on. Who else? There was somebody else uh, who was like, even uh, Jacqueline Bissett is classy. And uh, some there's there's, there's a whole be. raft of g- women who've never made it past grade B. So that doesn't matter to a masturbator. <laughs> we are not judging you. Well, actually, by- <laughs> actually, it didn't matter to anybody because that judgment would be made based on that film. What film was it? What film were you in in that year? Okay. So, so I, you were in, fi- but you were already in films. I was plainly masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about when you masturbate? Isn't that the ultimate question that could tell you what really a person is about? What do you think about when you masturbate, Richard Dreyfus? I never thought about my mother. <laughs> well, I hope and not. I never thought that if I had thought of my mother, I would be thinking incestuous thoughts. That never occurred to me. And yet, incestuous thoughts was the engine that drove my masturbation. Really? Yes. Incestuous I, with who? Who's, who crossed that street first? Y- yeah. Um, Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you brought it up, but yeah. like, no, if I'm it's not your think, mother, I, how many people could it be? I mean, I, and your sister? In the early years, I thought about very little else. Not like, grandma. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> who are, who who are I, you thinking who of? Who am I thinking of? I, I, I'm asking, <laughs> who are you thinking of? <laughs> Because you Inquiring know, acquiring minds want to know. Well, I mean, you do know that porn today is like dominated almost by incest porn. Like, if you go on Pornhub, like it's the same uh, videos that we've been looking at for years. It's some chick, hopefully a hot one, although obviously beauty's in the eye. Um, but there are many beautiful, uh, you know, porn stars who, in another era could have been movie stars if they didn't always take a bunch of jizz in the face, which is like not something that the studio, uh, certainly not in Mr. Mayor's day, uh, looked kindly on. Although, of course, they did it in private. Anyway. Well, they so, did it. But and they you, did it for Mr. Mayor, but yes, only in did. a private collection. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, those guys, now those guys were worse or as bad as the Cosbys. Oh, yeah. And that, that what they got away with like in those days of uh, the studios. When I mean, you read really... Shirley Temple's book. Who? Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple. When you read her book, you can read between the lines oh. of an enormous... Uh, um, scandal? Sc- well, a, a scandal that never unscandalized. She was abused? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, that's they I just mean, did she, it routinely. What she was was that they made as much as they could of a never acknowledged ongoing sin. You know, it's not that she was uh, abused in the sense that bad behavior on the part of Louis B. Mayer. It's that that was the done thing 
to every young right. Judy, actress. Judy Garland, yeah. I'm sure. You know, I mean, yeah, they were just, I mean, yeah. men Ridiculous. without guardrails. And are just they invented the American small town perfect place. Andy Hardy. Right. Yeah. I mean, and who was not in Andy Hardy? It was Mickey Rooney as Andy Hardy. It was Judy Mickey Rooney. It was... Uh, the Jew, it was the black man, and it was... Oh, we're not in it. That we're of not course not. In it. No, it, that was a... It's so funny, in Neil Gabler's book, I think this is what he said. I mean, that's such a great book about it. It's called How the Jews Invented Hollywood. Right. And he talks about uh, a, an industry completely dominated by Jews making movies for a Protestant America and feeding back the Protestant dream to them. You know, they, the Jews took over Hollywood. Uh, they invented Hollywood. And they didn't say, oh, let's let's show America the shuttle that we came from in Russia. No, they, they themselves loved that they were in this new and better place right. where they weren't being chased by Cossacks. They were getting sucked off by starlets. I mean, that's, you know. You, know, you ever hear of the Chochinsky riots? The Chochinsky riots? I'm no. probably mispronouncing that. Where but are they? The Chilchinsky riots were a decade-long um, Cossack-driven. Oh, sure. It was the, the worst Rob. thing that had ever happened to the to the Jews in Russia. The worst thing that had ever happened to them until the Holocaust. But there were many pogroms. This is probably just the worst. But, yeah. But that's what, of course. Yes. And it was exactly that. That's what it the show that, Fiddler on the Roof is about. Yeah. Fiddler on the Roof is the Cossacks are always coming, so I want a rich that's man. Right. If and that was man. the and that was the worst thing you could ever bring up, and it was the worst thing that had ever happened to any Jews anywhere. Until the Holocaust, it was the talk of the town. It was the 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 most uh, right. mortal wound. Well, the the trial that you share a name with. Yes, but that was ten years later. The Dreyfus trial. Yeah, um, that was in the eighteen nineties. Correct. And this happened in eighteen eighties. In the eighteen eighties. Right. Yeah. And it was a bad time for the Jews in Russia. It really was. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, it was not a good place. I mean, there was never really a good time, <laughs> but... But you know, that, when we hear the, the, the phrase, the pale of settlement? Yeah, sure. Well, that was, that was a, uh, a boys' town right. of the Cholchinsky riots. It was... The Cossacks were basically given free reign to kill and murder anyone they wanted. But getting back to my masturbation, who else was in Valley? <laughs> <laughs> who well, else was in Valley of the Dolls? Come on. I can almost uh, picture it like who is the a, guy? Not the guy. Not the guy. <laughs> I wasn't masturbating about the guys, weirdo. I was <laughs> you're you're fucking your sister. What are you one I even ask about Did this. you ever did you have a sister? Yes. Did you ever give her what we called a movie, a, a movie actor kiss? No. Oh God, please! I love my sister. Did but she ever ask you? No, we didn't even like each other when we were kids. We were always we not. were like two. What? Of course not. Yes. 
No, but you no, stopped that no, hostility we're not, under we're, a white flag, and you literally said, no. "You want to do a movie's dark kiss?" We're not. We're weirdo. We're not weirdos like you. We we were just we're normal <laughs> people who grew up in New Jersey, and we didn't have memories. I lived in Queens, so it, it's uh, the same you, thing. Yeah, <laughs> Queens. <laughs> I'll say. I lived uh, twenty blocks uh, away from uh, Trump and his family, and I was 10, 15 streets away from, uh, what's his name, uh, who I played also, what's his name? Alexander Hay. Security and Exchange Commission. Um, and I played them both. I mean, I played people of that world. Right. And... So I had a kind of unique perspective. I was the villain that fucked over the Jews from the stock market and from and we and and billions were lost to this one guy. What's his name? Um So so anyway, the thing was that the 60s, the 1860s were given over to those riots and those deaths. I see. And it was the biggest thing that had ever happened to to Jews. But they still shouldn't have been so mean to Marilyn Monroe. Did you see that movie I did. with Anna Diarmas? I loved it. I thought the performance was amazing. I thought, first of all, she, with no accent... She, just like British people can do our accent and Australians, of course, perfectly. Whereas we Americans, I've seen struggle when they're doing a British accent or some other accent. And like every once in a while, they'll lapse out of it for one word. And it's like a clam when you're watching a band, you know, a bad note. Oh, God. Uh, but they never, what? But they never miss the, the Brits when they do our accent. And... When she did Marilyn Monroe, I mean, she, first of all, I just thought, I did not, I thought the movie was lugubrious. Like, really, there was no joy in Marilyn's life. It was just one bad fucking day after another. I get it. She was fragile and men abused her. And along the way, there had to be, you know, one sunny day. Uh, and also, like, do I know that these things happened the way they did? I mean, to say the least, you could not be worse to her than the men were. Joe DiMaggio slugs her. Um, Louis B. Mayer, uh, like, rapes her without even, like, smiling at her. John F. Kennedy, that scene. That, that was awful. So, I mean, I stupidly watched that, like, when I watch TV before I go to bed, but I try not to watch things that are disturbing. I found that so disturbing. It did disturb my sleep that night. Um, you were thinking about your sister, but I, I mean, it was just, um, to, if people haven't seen it, I mean, she goes to see Kennedy. She's brought to him, you know, like, you know, like bathe her and bring her to my tent. And he's and, in. And it was unfairly drawn, that scene. Well, we don't know what Jack Kennedy was like in bed with Marilyn Monroe, but the scene was, he's in bed. He's, he's got, he's in bed. Now he had a bad back. He's got his shirt off. We don't see really under the... With, it looks like he's probably naked. With, he's just 
presidents and ex-presidents don't have any hair on their chests. You know, <laughs> what do you it's mean? just it's just it's like why he didn't. Well, not in any movie that I've ever seen. I never paid that close attention to that aspect of movies about Kennedy, but I'm going to rewatch. Anyway, so they bring her in. The Secret Service guy is sitting, like, right outside the door, so he knows everything that's going on. Kennedy's on the phone, doesn't get off the phone, just kind of nods and waves to her while he's talking on the phone, like, indicating for her to just start blowing him, which she does. Uh... And then they have this close-up of the dick in her mouth. And it's just, it, if the filmmaker was looking to uh, move me, uh, he did. I'll give you that. I just wish I hadn't watched it before bed. <laughs> and I just hope John F. Kennedy wasn't that bad. Because it was just, it was worse what? than some, a lot of violence. And it is a kind of, that is a kind of, I mean, they overuse the kind of violence. But shoving your dick in somebody's mouth is, is violent. Guys, you know that feeling in the bedroom during intimacy when you're trying to hold back from going over the edge so that the fun doesn't end sooner than you or they would like? Stop trying to delay the inevitable by mentally solving math problems or thinking about Trump sitting naked eating a bucket of chicken. Look, I may never get hard again. Gain more lasting power and confidence in the bedroom with Promescent Delay Spray. Their clinically proven and patented delay spray with anti-transfer technology absorbs into the skin quickly and completely. Look, women already have orgasms 30% less frequently than men, and they take nearly three times as long to get there. Hell, there is an acting class here in LA that specializes in teaching women how to fake it. I kid, but that's not a bad idea. Promescent lets you close that gap and allows your partner to finish 50% more of the time. So beat science with better science, literally. Join the over 500,000 happy couples and a few million miserable ones already using Promescent to enhance their intimacy. It's shipped free and discreetly. Plus you get a 60 day money back guarantee. Grab a bottle and try it for yourself at promescent.com slash club random. That's promescent.com slash club random, which applies my 15% off discount code with free shipping on your first order. Last longer with Promescent Delay Spray today. Don't delay, I mean do delay. Order today, you won't be disappointed and neither will your partner. Do you like true crime? Check out Mind of a Monster, a true crime podcast from ID about history's most notorious serial killers. On this new season of Mind of a Monster, host and criminal psychologist Dr. Michelle Ward tells the story of Jeffrey Dahmer and how he got away with cannibalism, killing and necrophilia for more than 13 years. Past seasons tell the story of serial killers like Ted Bundy and the Green River Killer, LA's famous Hillside Strangler and Night Stalker Killers, and Ed Kemper, AKA the Co-Ed Killer, that's a lot of true crime, and it's all available to listen to now, you sick fucks. <laughs> listen to Mind of a Monster, Jeffrey Dahmer, or wherever you get your podcasts. My aunt sits down on an airplane, and sitting next to her is this young guy, and he says, Hi, Dustin Hoffman. And she says, Marilyn Dreyfus. And my aunt dined out on that story for years right. because it's Dustin he said he introduced himself as if I didn't know that he was Dustin Hoffman. And I said, he doesn't. He does not know that he's Dustin Hoffman. 
And at that time, yeah, especially. Does. What are you talking about? He doesn't know he's dusting up. And he's well, very. Took me 15 years to know that I was Richard Dreyfus. Oh, I don't buy that. Come on. Are you serious? Yeah. What do you mean to know? To like to realize, like, let's go back to 1975. Jaws, if people weren't alive, was like one of those things that's beyond a specific art form. It was a cultural phenomenon. It changed the movie industry forever, blockbusters in the summer. Wait a minute, but okay. you're acting as if you're, you're talking about the guy as if he already knows the end of the plot. And let me tell you, we did Okay, but, but even if you don't know the end of the plot, you know in 1975 where you're the lead in like the, one of the biggest movies ever, that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. Okay. But you don't know that you're going through it until later. But you know you're a star because people are gathering like where you go, like they did for Jesus. They, they gather, you but know, Bill, talk Bill, about followers. I mean, uh, seriously, you don't know you're going through that at that moment. Why? why? You, what are you in a bubble? What are you in a, in a, in a space suit? What are you talking about? You don't know. You walk into a restaurant and people turn their heads and look at you. You don't realize that? I'll tell you exactly that. This is what you, the woman is walking toward you and she passes you. And as she passes, she, you, uh, you your mother or your sister is behind you. And, and wait. <laughs> and you wait, just wait. fucked her. And, <laughs> and. She says, wow, that was something. And you say, what? Because she did not act out that, oh, that's the Dreyfus, until he'd, she'd passed. And here's how it works. Well, that may have happened one time. Wait a minute. It's more than that. It's far more than that. You're, she's walking down the street, and while she's in front of you, She's acting studiously indifferent. But the moment she passes you, she goes. That's what happens after she's turned. I, I can't believe that <clears throat> all the <laughs> years and decades where you were a big movie star, this is what happened every single time. I think that could not, have ha Yes, that happened. And not sometimes. only did it happen. Every but, single time, that's why uh, you are by, not a lucky guy. I mean, but it outgrew us <clears throat> like crazy. And for every great review that you got, where they indicated that you were part of this new step that you've taken, and you're, you didn't read those things. Why? Well. Uh, I remember reading uh, about, I overheard Diane Cannon telling a story on Cary Grant. And, you know, well, she was, was married to. Yes. When Diane Cannon was a young starlet, she, she married. married. <clears throat> and a, she said, Aging but still debonair Cary Grant. Quote, you know what he does on a Sunday afternoon? He lies down on, on the living room floor. And he actually reads his old reviews. Wow. Cary Grant? Yeah. She said that? Yeah. Wow. Now, I'm at the home of Mike Maschio and her mo his mother 
and his mother was a star. His mother was in a Night at the Opera. She was wow. a young singer. The Marx Brothers. Yeah. Wow. And, but <clears throat> he had to read those on a Sunday afternoon to that is, know. That is pathetic. I'll, I'll give and, you that. And I'll tell you something else. That when he wrote his memoirs, he wrote on the cover of the memoir, everyone wanted to be Cary Grant. Even I wanted to be Cary Grant. Well, now that's just what a girl says. It doesn't make it true. That's what she says. She was bitter. Bitter about our marriage. By the way, Diane Cannon may have been in Valley of the Dolls. Wait, I'm getting a masturbation flashback. <laughs> I don't know if it's about Valley of the Dolls, but definitely wait, Diane wait, Cannon wait. was definitely whack material. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. She was in Remember the Last of Sheila. Remember the Last of Sheila, the movie? Herb Ross. You know Yeah. You know who yeah. wrote that? It's a genius movie written by um Stephen Sondheim. I'm not kidding. Stephen Sondheim wrote the movie that became like the template for how you do a crime thriller. He was the first one to do that where he shows the scene and then the people are talking about it later and he re-shows it from a different point of view. It's every CSI, it's everything. That was the first one to do it. It was 1974, I think. And it's um, James, um, uh, you know, James... Uh, <laughs> too stoned. Uh, he was in like Flynn, James Coburn, who was bad. He was a bad man. I love James Coburn, right? Wasn't he fucking? Well, who were the guys? James Coburn was like the star who gets killed, and then Raquel Welch. Oh, talk about Spankavision. Okay, um, Diane Cannon, um, Richard Benjamin, James James Mason, uh, James Mason. You know, yeah. Yes, and, I have uh, a great. A few uh, Roddy McDowell. Story. It's great. It's awesome. I recommend it highly, highly. I have the best James Mason story, bar none. You have the only James Mason story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never thought of it that way. Go um, ahead. Now I'm curious. Okay, I'm invited to London to see the Royal Command performance of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay, and you still don't know you're a movie star? Right. Okay, so we're in that paradigm. No, I, I actually did know. By that moment, I... Okay, I well, that knew. was 1978. That was only three years after Jaws. Right. Well, did you live every second of those three years? No, you said for the first 10, 15 years, you didn't know you were a movie Well, driver. it was a thing that came and went. And and it did. And you you have to well, start listening, or else I, I, well, there'll be a quiz I, and you'll yeah, fail. I'm listening, but I you know came and went. I don't okay. know. When just the Queen of the... England invites you to a close, uh, uh, right? The Queen of England. Then you 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 start to get the feeling that maybe you're a movie star, and you not only get that feeling, but when you're in the cab coming from the uh, airport. And the and the driver says, uh, "What brings you to London, laddie?" And I said, uh, "It's a command performance for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and I've been invited because I'm in the film, and I had never seen Horizontal Tears until that minute." What does that mean? I mean that his he he went. His tears went bump. Oh, 
<laughs> no, yeah. I've never seen it. Wow, that is. Whew. And this because of the movie or because uh, he'd already because seen of the, the movie. movie? He'd seen the movie and it blew no, his mind. He hadn't seen it. Oh, he, he just liked about you. It. Oh, but he, he probably saw you it. in other things. No, no, no. That was. But what happened? What's was, the one where the. Uh, I remember it was like iconic. Like everyone was doing this impression. It was really John Belushi's impression, but everybody was doing John Belushi's impression of you with, I do not like the panties on the line. Do you remember that when everyone was doing that? I do yeah. not like the panties on the line. Yeah. It was like all over 1978. So where they took you was to the, what are the two hotels that are next door to one another? Dorchester. And the bar. I'm not saying it the but, but the Dorchester is lovely, not cheap. And Richard Harris lived at one of them. Oh, and that's the Dorchester. Yes. All right. So the bar has a pool table. The bar, not the barum, and not the but the most famous hotel in London. I can't remember the name. Well, so I go. We have a letter. What are we detecting? I go up to the suite with my girlfriend. And I am met by the most excited, nervous, twitchy um, staff of the hotel because they're going to take my measurements, measurements. and send it off to the tailor so that I can oh, look there's a special as I should. Apparel that you have to wear to, to get yeah. dishonor, oh. like like tails or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Right. So. And then they send someone from the palace who gives you very strict um, protocol. Protocol about yes, don't turn your back on the queen. Don't turn your back, and also sure don't all, say right. anything until she says something. Right. And if she if she, if she farts, and <laughs> we all and all of this is, is built into the evening, and and. So that when she raises her hand, you raise your hand. Like a seance. Like this. Oh. And, and you say, not ma'am and not mum, but ma'am. Oh, jeez. That would be tough to and remember. It was. So where did this take place? In her In special... the suite at the... Oh, at the, the hotel. The queen came to the hotel? No, no. The queen's representative. Oh, I see. But you did you, you met the queen somewhere at the event you'll see, itself? You'll see. I'll oh. tell you the story. Okay. And um, she uh, is, I'm told that only the people who are invited, whose name is on the invitation, are the ones that meet literally the queen. So you are also told not to say anything unless she says something first. Right. That's a big one. A big one. Right. So I <laughs> practice ma'am. I practice shutting up. I practice all this <laughs> stuff. And I turn to my girlfriend and I say, it's not me. I'm not, I'm not making these rules. And she says, well, I because she wasn't named in the invitation. Oh, it just was plus one. So it <laughs> yeah, wasn't even plus one. It just said Richard Dreyfus, And so... But you must have told him that you were bringing a plus one, right? Or you didn't ask? You just assumed? I didn't ask. and I Really? Didn't, yeah, just, I didn't ask. Are you now, how, how long were you into this relationship, may I ask? This, this a girl? year. A year. Maybe so, under a year. So you knew each other. 
Fuck yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I this loved was her. Like a, and she was a big deal. Right. And this was, I mean, this is like a Mrs. Barbie's dream date, you know, as opposed to what? Bowling? <laughs> I'm going to take you to meet the queen. She should be, thank you. Instead of, this girl was bitching yes, about that. I'll, I'll bring you into the, you know in, into the inner circle. You're better without her because first she, she should have been grateful instead of bitching to, at you. You have to say that you're, Happy that you've been invited and you'll be okay with it and exactly. not hold it over my head. Choosies. One, two, three. Exactly. Dum. One, two, three. Dum. You know what? Dum, 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 dum. Like that. So. I always say, you want to play hard to get, then you won't get God. So, <laughs> this girl who was the picture of perfect innocence and beauty and Puerto Rican Catholic. Your girlfriend. Yeah. She was great. And innocence, you say? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, when her father found out that she was dating me, yeah. meaning a Jew, uh, oh. he forced her to break up. Really? That's what broke you up? Well, that's the first one. Because you're a Jew? Yeah. He was a Catholic cab driver. What if you had just offered to be only Jewish? But not really a Jew. <laughs> I Just, heard this the other day. Someone did that the other day. Is that like you? The, the oldest joke in the world. Jewish. Ish. Ish. Yeah. So um, anyway, her name was. Well, that's a story worthy of telling. That's a tale like a modern. Yeah, like, damn right. You know, Romeo and Juliet. And I hurt her. Hurt her? I hurt her. By, but she's the one who broke up with you because of a Jew. Well, her father. Her father broke us up. Okay, but she could. She was a, a sentient adult. She could have well, defied her father. She was a, a, a very pure 19-year-old Puerto Rican innocent. How old were you? I was 37. You know, there's a lot of people, because people are haters, are like, how ridiculous. You know, whatever works. The Woody Allen, who's never had a sex scandal. Oh, wait, bad example. Uh, <laughs> it's like, whatever works. Woody Allen made that movie. Larry David played Woody Allen, the most accurate, I thought, Woody, um, you know, what, do you, what would you call it? A hologram, <laughs> whatever it is, or facsimile, because a lot of people wrote, he wrote lots of movies where he, somebody else, Essayed the un, un, the thankless task of talking like Woody Allen. You know, I mean, lots of good actors tried it, and it didn't often come out well. But Larry David was perfect, <clears throat> and the idea, whatever works, you know. I mean, obviously, with the appropriate legal <clears throat> strictures, you don't want children involved. But nineteen is not a child, and women and men, they just mature at crazily different speeds. Okay, men are, you're barely mature at 37, if you were at all. <clears throat> and a woman can be very mature by 20. We're just at different places. And uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. No, I yeah. mean, what I mean to say, yeah. but it is true. And also we, people well, are not their numbers. People are not, their, are not numbers, they are humans. Where does it start? Where does what start? Um, the misunderstanding that turns into betrayal, that turns into hatred. Your sister. <laughs> no, <laughs> everything starts with her. Well, no, I'll tell you where. Where? When it's cow when it's still cowboys and Indians. And you're right. Yeah. Yes, I believe you're right. Boys lie like crazy 
women, girls, don't. They, they talk to the pack, and the pack tells them, what you just went through is the, pa- is, is, is the betrayal, and now we're going to tell you exactly how to respond. And they do, not only do they do it, but for the next 12 years they do it. And a lot of people say, well, it's uh, space aliens, and they come and take your kid for 12 years. When they took my daughter, when they took my daughter. Who took? The aliens. When they took my daughter. <laughs> no, really? Yeah. What do you think happens to kids when they're 12 years old? They're kidnapped and oh, taken to another right. planet. And, <laughs> and they're replaced by an oh. android. And an android. <laughs> Who's a lot a, harder to deal with? With a myth. With a fucking right. painful myth. And when they do that. They are the same person, but they're not. And don't let them fool you, Dad. That's <laughs> not my sister. That is not my sister. Right. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. And I'm telling you, they are trained. And the difference between boys and girls is real simple. Boys are so embarrassed by s- sexual problems that they treat one another only through the vocabulary of cartoons. Wabos. Hey, look at him, wabos. Hey, that's all that vocabulary. And girls are mechanical engineers. And they, they say they know exactly how wide and how thick and how this and how they, they like it like such and such. And they... What are they talking about they like? The size of a dick. Dick. I thought okay. that, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to assume <laughs> I, that you're always you thinking about feelings. dicks. Okay, so yeah, and that's so, true. That is absolutely. But they're not the, thinking about dicks at that young age when the boys are watching rabbit cartoons. Well, right? that depends on your point of view because I think they are talking about dicks at really before ten. At yeah, night? I mean, no. uh, before if, ten if years gonna, old, really. If I was going to call it, I, I would say so. yes. I would. You know what? I'm sure. Eight-year-old girls have heard the song "Wet Ass Pussy," and I'm sure that prompted a number of questions. And uh, you know, and mom, what's a wet ass pussy? And you know, don't ask your father; he doesn't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know, but um, yes, I think I think today's kids are exposed to so much that you're probably right that they they by and what's on the phone, the internet. I mean, they perforce must know like things that I was just clueless about that at that age, you know, uh, I mean, I, one thing I am very grateful for is my very innocent upbringing. I'm sure there are many ways it could have been better. It certainly could have been more diverse and lots of things that it wasn't back in the 1960s, New Jersey suburbs, but you know, no uh, drug issues really in the school, no not even divorce, no racial issues, no, just, it was just very, very leave it to be, but very innocent. And, uh, and when it wasn't, everybody should be so, everybody should be so lucky, you know, as to not when you're, when you're young and you have enough to deal with just with the normal adolescent stuff of, Oh my God, now I do have a dick and I'd love to put it somewhere, but I don't know how to, you know, talk to a girl. And I don't know why I want to put it somewhere. I knew why. (laughs) I mean, not at first. I remember when I was first masturbating, I did not know 
like what I was doing. But it was, and I remember in the back of my mind, it was like, this could be hurting me. And then the front of my mind was like, I don't really care. <laughs> it just feels good. How bad could this be for me? And, it was, and I was jerking off in the dark. I wasn't, I wasn't like afraid to look. I was rubbing my dick against the stuffed animal that I slept with since I was two. Poor crazy. I'm telling you. <laughs> and cowards. We are cowards. Women, at least, talk to one another like mechanical engineers. But boys don't. Okay, you must know different women than I do. They don't look you in the eye when they see you on the street, and they're all mechanical engineers. I, I don't. I think space aliens <laughs> did come. <laughs> I think they took you. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know so, any women who are mechanical engineers. Although I know many brilliant women. But you women. do know that when your daughter is, let's say. No, oh, 18 or 19? Well, I don't have one, thank God, but yes. Well, what happens in normal families is... <laughs> yes, normal. Is Damn. that uh, your, your daughter will call you when she's 22 and she's, uh, she's going to say, Dad, do you remember those years when I didn't credit you with having any brains and that you were only my dad... And that you basically knew nothing and I didn't have to respect you at all. Do you remember that? And you say, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> and then you hit her with your Oscar. And then, and then she says, <laughs> well, I just realized I was wrong. Yes. And she, and, and she then says, anyway, so uh, at Thanksgiving, do you want to come to my house? And I went, hold it, hold it. Hold it. You're not going to get away with this that quickly because you put me through the tortures of the damned. And I don't know whether to throw you out a plate glass window or kiss you. I would say B. <laughs> uh, and, but the impulse not to is big, big, really well, big. Kids, I mean, look, you're talking to a guy who never had kids and I, I, was sort of like made fun of that for a while. No, married, you know, no kids. And, and now I just get nothing but high fives from people because people just, I mean, kids are horrible. They're, they didn't used to be, but parents lost control. And of course, kids are feral. They're the kids in the Lord of the Flies. They're awful. So you have to, if you can't like civilize them or you won't civilize them, they become intolerable and they have become intolerable. So, I mean, like, I, I know everybody thinks their kids are different. It's somehow it's everybody else's kids, and yet. And let me tell you that when you have this second conversation, when they're twenty-two, they've just only recently been delivered back to the planet Earth. Oh, good. And and that's when you say, uh, Emily, uh, I just want you to know that I lived through every minute of those ten years, right. and. I, that doesn't allow me to forgive you that quickly because I well, don't. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. And again, you're talking to somebody from the outside who doesn't really get a vote in this. But it seems to me when you if you choose to be a parent and I assume you chose, um, you are you are signing a deal that says you're going to have to put up with a monster for 10 years. Yes. So. Having signed that deal free of your free will, I agree to 
live with a monster from the ages of 12 to 22, whatever it is, then when they do it, I mean, you can't like hold a grudge when it's over. I think you should just be happy that it's over. Well, yes, but, uh, but just as you describe, nothing is that neat so that it, there are holdovers and there are, there are months that go by where you forget that you've already forgiven her. Do your kids watch your movies? Uh, or, or is this the age when they're just starting to get back into it? Yeah. Oh, see, that's, isn't it great that we have celluloid for you? It, for the rest of us, too, because, like, I mean, not just you, but definitely you have contributed a great body of entertainment. And I don't care about anything else. I like entertainment. Entertainment, yes. Do I like it better when it's intellectually nutritious? Yes. But I'll watch The Three Stooges, too. Just And so your movies were entertaining because they were smart and they grabbed you, and they, but they were never forgot to be entertaining. Um, I don't think a kid appreciates that you know, at a certain point. And, and the fact that you're the dad overrides that. Maybe they secretly like, wow, my dad is fucking Richard Dreyfus, But it's like they can't because there's these other forces. And then you get to this other age, like you say, you get re-delivered back to earth. And now, you know, now you're, you're probably in for some great times, but you know, you got to let, let go the, like, you know, you, you were a monster for 10 years. Yeah. That's what happens when you let the alien on the spaceship, okay? We always say, don't let the alien on. Don't, oh, but it's yeah. only microscopic. Don't it's microscopic. follow the cat. <laughs> don't follow the cat. What's that? <laughs> that's an alien. That's, oh, right. That scene. Don't follow the cat. Don't right. follow the cat. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, geez. Are there, are there any movies like that that you, you could have been in even, or that you wish you were in from that era that you were like, you know, Are you kidding me? Like you could have been in Alien. That was 1979. I could have been in Jaws. You were in Jaws. I turned it down twice. Well, that was dumb. You're lucky they, that they fucking... Uh, and that's... Oh, my God. I ended up in it, but only because... But why you? Why do you think? I mean, like... Why was I picked? Yeah, like some... There's great actors. You're one of them. But why did they... I mean, they could have... Who? who I mean, everybody was... Well... I think it was I was finally picked because I reminded Stephen of Stephen. Oh, that's so interesting. Did you see Fableman's? No, not yet. No? No. I won't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> You'll like it. I mean, it's not for everybody, but it's so, you know, he's never made a movie like that where it's his, I mean, you're still on good terms with him, I hope. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you'll like it, you know, and it, and it certainly speaks to the anti-Semitism, especially in the second half that's going on around today. I mean, you know, he he they, he got some of that real um, punch in the nose because you're a Jew stuff. What? Really? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> Spielberg. No. The director, <laughs> big Jew. <laughs> I, I am in uh, MGM Northfield Park Center Stage, the Hard Rock, Northfield, Ohio, Saturday, May 20th, Sunday, the 21st at the Mystic Lake Casino in Prior Lake, Minnesota, Saturday, June 3rd, the Met, Philadelphia, Sunday, June 4th, the Wind Creek Event Center in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And you have a book. Could I... Oh, and you signed it for me. Thank you very much. One thought scares me. We teach our children what we wish them to know. We don't teach our children what we don't wish them to know. So I know you are someone who thinks seriously about stuff. Um, so I'm going to read this. I was um, thrilled when you asked me in 1987 to help you figure out 
this crazy country of ours and um, be quite interested to see where you are here all these years later. You're still great to talk to. I thank you for We're doing this. We're not done this. yet. I have to. I got it. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We haven't talked about the most important thing we'll in the world. We'll come back. We'll do it then. But for real. I mean, for real. Well. Let me tell you something. This book represents six years of a 50-year obsession. And I figured out and I'm not kidding. I figured out what was wrong and what, what, what that wrongness was. And it was at our feet. And, and all the time, it was right in front of us and we didn't see it. And that's why I quit and went to Oxford for four years. And when I went to Oxford, I went because I knew the answer to the biggest problem America faced. And I ain't kidding. Well, let's not give it away. That's, I see these commercials on TV or sometimes on the computer, and it's like, uh, do you want something that grows, <laughs> gets rid of crabgrass and makes your dick hard? And I'm like, yes, I do. And it's like, and then they just never say it. You have to like, it go, the yeah. infomercial goes on for like a half hour and then you got to send away to someplace. So that's why you have to get the book to find out that answer. Thank you for doing this. I'm telling you, it was great to see you again. What I should do jobs. right now is take this book and point shove it up my ass. Yeah.